0: All right. Good evening, church. Thank you for, um, for all being here today on, on a Wednesday. I, I don't know if many of you have started work, but um, I know we have, so, so I certainly won't be long this evening as we also have our, our press service after this. But um pastor just asked me to give a, a bit of a teaching lesson today um, around one of the attributes of Christ, being his goodness. Um, it's been an interesting study for me to look at it um, and, and just really understand what His goodness means and, and more so how it, it's uh, revealed in the Word of God. And I trust it will be a blessing to you also. So, As we start the message, I just want to define what goodness is. So goodness is defined as being morally excellent, virtuous, or righteous. Right? That's the definition given to, to goodness. So firstly, what I want to do is, is look at the goodness of God himself. Okay, so there's a lot of familiar verses and passages here, so I'm going to go through them, but I, I have no doubt that you know most of these verses. Um, but let's see how the Lord works through this. Actually, before we start, why don't we pray? Father, we just thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your faithfulness always. Father... Um, I pray that you would just bless this message, that you would uh, move me out of the way, and that you would have your, your way in this, this time. Father, may uh, your word not return void, and Lord, may it be a blessing and encouragement to those here. Amen. All right, so the first verse I want to look at, um, or the first actual example here is in John 3.16. So what we see here is God's goodness is shown and manifested in the person of Christ. Okay. And John 3:16 is very much a foundational verse, right? It says for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Knowing our helpless state and our inability to pay the price for our sin, God gave us his son. And that was our gift of salvation. And Christ as we know is an example to us to, to follow. And it goes on that that his goodness was was such that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Okay, so we see his goodness shown and manifested in the person of Christ. Number two is we see God's goodness shown in his love towards us. And we can see that in Ephesians 2, verses 4 to 7. Ephesians 2, 4 to 7. And it says, But God, who is rich in mercy... For his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace he are saved and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. So God's love For us, he's actually described here as a great love. Okay? That love is what caused the sending of Christ. And his love comes with a desire to show exceeding riches of his grace toward us through Christ. And why? You might ask. It's for his glory. And when we think about this, you can't help but be, be amazed. Really, when we look at the concept of God's goodness. You could stop there at the first two that I've mentioned, and that would be enough, right? He sent his son, he loved us. Really, is there much more, right? But it continues. So we see here that God's goodness is shown also in our adoption into the family of God. So Romans 8, 8, 15 to 17 if you turn there Romans 8:15 to 17 says for ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear but ye have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry abba father the spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of god and if children then heirs Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so, be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. We are the children of God. We are part of his family. If we can give some context here and just take a minute to just maybe get some perspective from our own families. As a parent, our job is to provide, to nurture, to instruct, to, cor- to correct to love our children and our family. We want safety for them, so what we do is we put in place protection measures. There's nothing that we wouldn't do for them. And I'm sure each and every one of you would attest to that. You know, I was thinking about my plans for 2019, just as I was thinking about um, my children, and, and the thing that stuck with me was this concept of nurturing. Nurturing. In 2018, I think I was reasonably good at instructing but not so good at nurturing, right? And there's a there's a difference there. Nurturing requires an investment of our resources, least of which is time. It also requires preparation for how we will handle their failures in life. Are we going to be a parent? Am I going to be a parent that, that comes down hard when they do something wrong? Um, or am I going to be a father that manages them through that and encourages them to get up and try again, right? They're some of the things that were going through my mind in 2019. and much the same way, being part of God's family, his goodness towards us is much the same, right? He's nurturing with us. He's caring. He's loving. Uh, he works with us and our, our failures and, and our, um, just, just our, our, I guess, proneness to sin. Right? He, he, he's, a, he's a nurturing father. Number four, we, we see God's goodness shown through his spirit, which leads us to repentance. So Romans 2, verse 4, if you'd turn there as well. Romans 2, 4 says, For despisest thou the riches of his goodness, and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. So I've only called out one verse there, but you know, essentially Paul is talking and drawing his attention to those self-righteous moralists, right? Who thought judgment was for them to manage, right? We know that that God is the only righteous judge, but in their judging, what they had forgotten was the goodness of God, He is long-suffering for them. His forbearing nature, as a God, which in itself leads to repentance. So why goodness? Because as a righteous Judge, we deserve punishment for sins. But in His goodness, He leads us to repentance. He gives us a way out of our punishment. But with God, His goodness is always there. You know, we're so prone, right? When someone does something hard by us, aren't we prone to? kind of give it a certain length uh, of rope, and then there's a point where you kind of say, no, enough's enough. I'm cutting that person off, or I'm doing this or the other, right? We tend to be so judgmental that way. But here we see Christ, who's always, in his goodness, he's always giving us a way of repentance. It's, it's always there for us. It's, it's always renewed. And I guess the example there is like the message pastor gave not so long ago around the prodigal son. Right, and the returning of, of that son home and, and there we see Christ waiting for us always when we turn and 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 turn our ways and, and go back to Him. So fifth is we see God's goodness is shown in the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, which produces goodness in us. And this is a familiar passage, Galatians five, twenty two to twenty five. So I'll read this. No need to turn there. It says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. As I was reading that, and I've read that many times, as I'm sure you have, and what came to mind for me is how little we really do in our walk with the Lord, right? Our job really is to be obedient, to be submissive, to walk after the Spirit. And it's God that takes care of the rest, right? So goodness is not actually something that we strive for and and work at and put a plan to develop. It's actually just a result, right? It's a result of walking in the Spirit, you know, Many in the world actually perceive the Christian life as something that we have to earn. They're worried about becoming Christians because they're worried about what they have to give up. Right? And they think about it from the perspective of what I've got to sacrifice. What are the, why do I want to be measured by these rules and standards? But in actual fact, it's Christ living through us. There's nothing we have to do. And that's what came to mind as I was reading that verse. As I said, my job is only to walk with him faithfully, obediently, and submissively. The last um, one I want to call out is God's goodness in, is shown in suffering. And I want to spend a little bit of time here if I can. Uh, there's two verses I want to read here. And if you could turn with me to Job chapter 42 and verse 5. Firstly, So Job 42, verse 5 says, I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee. And the second verse is Job 42, verse 10, which is, is right there. And it says, And the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Also the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. I think any one of us would struggle to find joy In suffering. We know suffering is expected, but how do you find joy in suffering? Well, it comes by delighting ourselves in the law of the Lord. We know that. And it comes in our fellowship and communion with the Lord. Childs will come and go, just like seasons do. Money comes and goes. But Christ is our one constant. And he promised that he will be with us through it all. So as we look at Job, we could see that Christ was with him just like he was with Joseph. Likewise, we know that God will endure with us through the good and the bad times. With all Job endured, the goodness of God was revealed in a more real walk with God. You know, if you look, um, if you look at that verse, there, you know, what is it, Job 42 and verse 5, it says... I have heard thee but the hearing by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee. Right? What Job developed after that, after going through what he had gone through, was such a deeper relationship with the Lord, a much more rooted relationship with the Lord. There was effectively a knitting together of his, his heart and the Lord's. And what you can see here is that the growth we see now in, in, in Job, where he says it becomes sight, what it, what it really means is that he had a new awareness for the wisdom of God's hidden, God's hidden plans. Right? It also means that he had a heightened understanding of what his limited wisdom was. And lastly, he had a new sensitivity for his own sin. Right? That all came as a result of what he had gone through. In the journey, all of his loss. You know, I was reminded this week that sometimes we cheat ourselves from a practically seeing God's goodness in our own life. You know, when when trials struggles come, we tend to go off course. We make our plans. We we tend to, you know, risk mitigators. We say, and we put our plans to avert that that issue. And I guess in the process we lose out on the blessing right what i love though about this chapter in job and again continuing as we look at at the goodness of god here is actually in verse 10 and there's the word there it says also which means in addition to there was the doubling of job's wealth that wasn't actually the first blessing right the first blessing was the fact that he had a deeper rooted relationship with christ the second blessing was the fact that the lord gave him double what he already had right that's the god we serve that's just the by the way you know so often we focus on that aspect lord thank you for meeting my need right we see his hand and that's what we praise god for but through the process we actually have gone through a deeper trusting process with the lord right and that's the real blessing that's the eternal blessing that we have So, we've looked now at the several aspects of God's goodness, but we know that Christ is is an example for us. He's God in the flesh. So, let's have a look at a few practical examples of how Christ portrayed goodness. For the sake of time, I'm not going to go through all of the ones here that I have, but um, I'm just going to call out three. The first one we find in Romans 5, verse 6 to 8. So if you would like to turn there, Romans 5, verse 6 to 8. While you're doing that, maybe you also turn to Luke twenty-two forty-two. 42. So Romans 5, 6 to 8 says, for, for when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet... Peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And then Luke twenty-two forty-two says, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Christ's goodness was demonstrated by his obedience and his sacrifice to the will of the Father. Effectively, him taking our place on the cross. If someone told you this year that something terrible was going to happen to you this year, I wonder how you and I would respond. Because that's what happened effectively with Christ. He knew what was coming, right? It wasn't a matter of of him, um, you know, assuming something was going to go wrong. He knew what was about to happen, right? If that was us more than likely, we would do everything in our power to avert that issue, whatever that may be, right? You, you try to, to ensure that to the best of your ability, it didn't happen or play out the way that, that you were told it would. You know, I often encourage my team at work when they're planning, I often say when you're planning, plan for the obstacles and challenges because that way you're not, achieve, you're not disappointed when things come in your way that hinder your progress to a goal right so if the, if there 's an obstacle that they know is a potential how do you how do you deal with that? You plan and assume that there's a likelihood of that happening. But as a Christian, our focus should not actually be on trying to avert the suffering but rather it should be in preparing our hearts and our minds around how we 're going to respond to it and the heart with which we 're going to accept it, so we know. That suffering is a a part of our journey, but joy comes when we see the trials through with Christ and we depend on his promise. So the next example of, of God's goodness is found in Luke 23, verse 32 to 34. And again, church, these are just practical examples of how Christ demonstrated that goodness. So Luke 23:32 30, to f- 34 says, And there were also two other malefactors led with him to be put to death. And when they were come to the place, which is called Calvary, there they crucified him. And the malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left, then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots even on the cross, Christ's goodness and grace was still revealed. There was no malice, there was no hatred, there was just love. Christ was given the same profile as the thieves, right? He was treated as one of them. In fact, probably they were esteemed more highly. In his goodness, though, what he saw below him was a needy people, and he endured it for us. For him, you know, I was just again thinking on this particular verse, and you know you can imagine, right that here's the majority of the people down there casting lots, ridiculing him, they're bitter. All of these things are happening around them. But in focusing in on all of their afflictions and all of their, their wanting to ridicule him, in focusing on all of that what they missed was the goodness of God being demonstrated right in front of them, right, on the cross. But that can often also be us. If we're real this, this evening, that can often be us, right? When, when we're busy, when we've got things going on, when we're consumed, we don't see the goodness of God the way that we ought to, right? Right? We, we, we're blinded to it. The obvious things, like I said earlier, the fact that he sent his son, the fact that he loves us, all of those things which are just, in a way, I use this term loosely, hygiene factors in our Christian life. They're just the reality. We, we just It's just another thing. We, we're so focused on what's going on around us. Likewise, these people that were ridiculing him, they lost focus of the fact that God's goodness was on the cross. the last example of God's goodness is in Mark 7, verse 31 through to 37. Mark 7, 31 to 37. And it says there, And again, departing from the coasts of Tyre and Sidon, he came unto the sea of Galilee, through the midst of the coasts of Decapolis. And they bring unto him one that was deaf and had an impediment in his speech. And they beseech him to put his hand upon him. And he took him aside from the multitude and put his fingers into his ears, and he spit, and he touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and said unto him, Ephephathah, that is, be opened. And straightway his ears were opened, and the string of his tongue was loosened, and he spake plain, and he charged them that they should tell no man. But the more he charged them, so much more, the more great deal they published it, and were beyond measure astonished, saying, "He hath done all things well. He maketh both the deaf to hear and the dumb to speak." God's goodness in action here was in meeting the need of the blind and the 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 blind man who, who was also deaf. So there was a practicality to His goodness. The miracle was done. What's interesting here, though, is in the goodness of God, what it produced from the men who observed it was an attitude where they couldn't but speak the goodness of God and share it, right? That's what it produced. So as we kind of now just conclude here, I want to just look at a few practical applications for us to take home and apply in our lives. But before doing that, I just want to summarize how God's goodness is, is characterized, really. Um, there's a couple of words here that, that I looked at as we, we look at how it should apply in our own life. His goodness is reflected in his obedience, his grace, his love, his forgiveness, his stewardship, his tenderness and care, and his submissiveness. That's really what it should model in our life. Would to God that we too would be consistent in our reflection and acknowledgement of his goodness. If for nothing else, his goodness is what gives us hope of eternal life, his goodness is what gives us purpose, his goodness is what gives us joy, and his goodness is what gives us the strength to continue day by day. Christ does not expect us to do anything on our own. It's our choice if we take that path. So here's my challenge for you today. There's two. I said earlier we referenced the verse about where we are joint heirs with Christ. And when you think about a, a, an heir to, to a throne or, or someone who's inheriting something, you think about what they're receiving, what they're gaining, right? But when you're inheriting something, there's also the other side of that coin, which is the responsibility to steward it, right? And that's the part that we often, often forget. So just as Christ was a model of goodness towards us to show us goodness, we too ought to be a model of goodness to the a lost world because we may be the only chance that they get to see of Christ. Our, our actions, the way we conduct ourselves, may be the only example of Christ they get to see. So that's the first challenge is, is for you to live, to show goodness just as Christ did even in your suffering. Because it's actually in your suffering that your testimony is, is... People pay attention when you're suffering, right? When you're going through something, people around you tend to pay attention to how you're responding and how you're reacting. When things are going good, it's pretty easy to respond well. But even in your suffering, that is what is expected of us. The second challenge for you in 2019 is, will you put God's goodness to the test and practically allow him to personally reveal his goodness in your life. This will mean making yourself vulnerable, and even putting yourself in positions of discomfort and uncertainty. I don't know what it is for you. It might be the way the Lord's leading you in terms of the life of your children and, and how he's leading them. It may be how the Lord's leading you in terms of your faith promise for 2019. I don't know what it is in your life, but... Generally, there'd be a, a, a cost to that. The reward would be a much deeper rooted relationship with our Lord, just like Job have, had. The example I wanted to give there, because I, I, I was trying to think of how, how best to explain that, when Job had said, um, you know, that he had first heard and then he had seen. The way I can, the way I want to explain this is really similar to. Having your first child. Right? So when you when you find out that you're you're gonna be a parent, what happens, right? You get excited, there's an emotion that 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 kicks in, you start reading books about what to expect, you you start Googling and all of that stuff, you get excited, you start buying furniture, and all of that sort of things happen. And you think you know how you're gonna be as a parent. But when your child is actually born and you're holding them what you realize is no book no one could ever even told you how much you're going to love that child right that bond is unbreakable right it's it's a bond that you would do anything for them as a parent right nothing could take that away so what you heard before becoming a parent was great you were excited you, you Kind of were on that path to, to know what to expect. But when you became a parent, when you experienced it, that's when it became real. And for me, that's what that verse really is speaking, right? Is we hear about God's goodness. It's in the Bible. It's evidenced. We see it. We should be thankful for it. But if we really want to experience God's goodness and, and see it impact and be rooted in our life, we have to be willing to allow God to work through our suffering and for us to become dependable on him. Okay? So as we go into 2019, my prayer for you and for me as well, as well is that we would choose to be shining lights of God's goodness towards us. And church, if, I'm, if, if you're honest with yourself, no matter what you're going through, I don't think we could ever argue the goodness of God in our life for each and every one of us. Let's pray. Father, we are just so thankful to be your children. Father, we're thankful for the goodness of God that just prevails in our life. We don't deserve it. We haven't earned it. But yet, it's there in abundance. It's available for us. And Lord, we pray that in 2019 that you would evidence your goodness to us in a very real and personable way. Lord, that the revealing of that in our, in our life would, be, would produce an unshakable walk with you. Father, only then will we desire to do the impossible things of Christ. Father, we pray for, I pray for each one that is here today. Um, I don't know what needs they have. I don't know where they are on their journey with you, but I pray that their desire this year would be to walk with you closer than they ever have before. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would do a mighty work um, in each one of us, and Lord, that You would just um, continue to reveal Your purpose and Your will to us, day by day. Bless the remainder of this service. We pray in Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you, Brother Neil. It's a great reminder tonight that um, that we do serve a good God, and even if we go through trials, and even though we go through health issues we still serve a good God.